Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Dirta de Jesus, editor and founder of The Lissom, a sustainable fashion magazine that she runs from Berlin. She became fascinated by the fashion industry while working at El Germany, and although she quickly became disillusioned by the wastefulness of fast fashion, she felt inspired to champion the people and companies at the forefront of most sustainable making. As you'll hear, this is more than just a job for her, and she feels passionately about taking a holistic approach to everything she does, which has helped to ensure that this first issue of the Listen is a very beautiful, very refined magazine. It's also backed up by a really impressive following that was built online first, and she's done a great job of converting that interest into a living, breathing magazine community, while also making some pretty huge changes in her own personal life. So um, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Dirta de Jesus. Dirta, thanks so much for coming over. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So uh, we have the first print edition of The Lissom in front of us, um, which is a magazine that um, focuses on fashion and sustainability. Where did this whole idea come from? Well, I would say for me, Lissom's been... Well, you could say it's it's almost been a, a rite of passage or a quite long journey of exploration and transformation like I would say the starting point was when I was working at L magazine L Germany in Munich that was in oh gosh when was I there until 2015 I've been there for a good two years two and a half years and um, I think at that time I really I had to been working in fashion but I think working for this big fashion magazine I really started to question, I wanted to know more about how the fashion industry runs. So I think back then I really started to dig into research, try to understand like how, well, the the life cycle of the clothes, how um, all the different uh, topics that fashion touches upon. And I think I opened a bit of a Pandora's box. (laughs) So it became quite a journey. Um, and then actually, um, I made quite a drastic life change. Um, I had fallen in love with a man living in London. He had recently moved onto a houseboat that he built himself. And um, I started to feel a bit restless in my, my old job. And I quit and moved over for love. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> it's a big, a big move. It was. So, and then I think, uh, so I, I basically, the very core start of Lissom was on a houseboat on the canals of London. But that was really like the basic. And it's been growing really slowly and organically. That was basically me trying to understand the workings of the fashion industry. And initially, it was just like me wanting to have a reason to talk to people and explore, like connect with like small sustainable makers, um, academics, uh, etc., and really tr- try to grab, get a grip of the topic. And this is something that we hear a lot. Um, magazines, I think, are a great way of putting yourself at the heart of a community and a way of like building. Uh, relationships where you might not otherwise have them. You started uh, specifically online first. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, for me, it was really the simp- like the simplest way. I wanted to connect to people. Um, and I noticed that when I wrote to them, I mean, sustainable fashion is also like a, a small growing movement. A lot of like really idealistic people uh, who are very passionate and they put a lot of like effort into work that c- could be more easily and well, worsely done. But um, and yeah, so I think I started online because I could just simply contact them meet them, see how they worked, exchange ideas or Skype with them, mm-hmm. and then uh, start writing about them. And I think this was back in 2016, is that right? Yeah, I published the very first article in March 2016. And was the idea always that you would come to print one day, or were you just taking it one step at a time? Um, I think back in my head, it was always a wish, but I think it was really at the beginning more, yeah, as I said, an exploration with open ending. I didn't really, I had lots of ideas, but I didn't really, yeah, have like a fully planned out. I don't, I, I think I don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the environment and sustainability is, of course, a huge, huge issue at the moment, which which runs across all sorts of different uh, interests and industries. And there are a few uh, magazines that are talking about fashion and sustainability. What do you do with the LISM that makes your version of it completely distinct? Well, I would say we take a very deep and holistic view um, I also noticed over the years, like, as I said, it, it, it was a topic I really explored. And at the beginning, I saw myself really almost like a student learning um, and getting a deeper understanding. And at, be, at the beginning, I was very much, I'm, I mean, I still am interested in uh, technological changes. Like, I think, uh, I mean, implementing a circular economy should be a given. Like, we're so wasteful in the way we operate. Um, yeah, material research, super interesting, of course. But I always had the feeling, I mean, I remember like two years ago going to Copenhagen Fashion Summit and people weren't really talking about overproduction and overconsumption. And they weren't also talking about like really going into relationship and uh, having a really strong connection. And I think what was always a driver for me was um, I... How can I say, I, right from the start, or like kind of um, occupying myself with fast fashion, the idea behind it, or fast consumption, I always felt, um, it's a bit sad, like we're taking really precious resources, like everything we create, like contains so much ecological energy, like plants have to grow, soil has to like, regenerate um, it's very precious and we're turning it into something that is um, often mediocre and we use it for a very short amount of time and throw it away really quickly and so I think what we do at listen well I I had this thought the other day <laughs> um, actually I had it because I had an, a really interesting interview with Dutch designers recently and um, they were saying or talking about the difference between soul and ego and I think it's true often in the fashion industry we dress our egos 
And I think what we try to do at Lissom is really nourish our souls and not our egos and really try to make like people understand that as humans we are part of a tightly connected ecosystem and we really believe we are not on top of a hierarchy that masters but we are part of like a beautiful sacred magical world yeah and tell me about this concept of the word lissom. So we'll, like, we'll, what does that mean? Because it seems to me that that kind of fits in with this idea of, of the world. Well, it was actually also a very organic development. I was looking for words that somehow resonated, that uh, gave me a good feeling. And then it was actually my husband who found the word, and it's an old English word. Like first when I saw it, I thought, oh, maybe it's French. Or, but no, it was actually, it was a very popular it word at the end of the 18th century. And um, it basically means something like gentle or kind. And uh, yeah, I think that really represents our approach. So gentle and kind, but also with this... I guess a slight feeling of elegance and, and refinement and looking through the magazine you've made something which is very elegant and, and very refined. The, who, who are you uh, aiming at with this as a, as a reader? Um, that also was an interesting journey. Like at the beginning I saw more in need within myself. Like I was looking at sustainable fashion at the time like five, six years ago and I was missing a certain kind of beauty and joy and real high quality of making. So, I mean, it was probably there already in, 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 in hidden corners, but I couldn't find it very quickly. And I think that's what I've really been looking for, like um, brands, makers that put a lot of like love, passion, but also skillfulness in their work and who really understand that beauty is an important tool. Like I think when you, I mean, we focus quite early on to also create fashion stories and quite elaborate ones. Um, and what, apart from us like really loving them and like love, like we love doing them, I think it's also a good way because, I mean, what I see with Lissom is when we tell our stories, um, they open the hearts of people who might formerly have thought of sustainable fashion as something they didn't want to be connected mm, with. Mm, mm. I mean, I know it's become a bit more trendy now, but like five, six years ago, I mean, when I told my colleagues back then what I was um, like researching, thinking about, they were like, why the hell? So... <laughs> Um, and I think, but now it's, it's I think um, we've turned it into something else. Um, and uh, I think especially through the beauty and the gentleness, like we're also connecting with people who might not have formally connected to it. So mm. I think it was interesting. We, we did a Kickstarter launch uh, for the magazine and um, we had the first kind of thank you Kickstarter party uh, in December. And it was amazing, like we had 250 people turning up, it was packed, like people were standing outside mm -hmm. and uh, I was looking around and I didn't know a lot of the people there, but the atmosphere was so nice and it was such lovely people and interesting people, artistic people, but all mm -hmm. sorts of, like even different ages and uh, kids and it was, yeah, it was quite lovely. <laughs> And so these are presumably people who came together around the online version of the Listen First. Yeah, I think so. But I think, yeah, I'm not sure how it all spread. It's, I mean, it's funny when you do things online. Sometimes you, um, you, 
it's interesting when you bring things into the real world and then you notice that you've actually already built a community which you kind of knew might have started to exist but then it's there yeah that's very interesting and so so that kickstarter campaign um raised a bit over eleven thousand euros which is fantastic is that was that an amount that you wanted to be able to print this first print issue or is is that money intended to then last you for a, a bit longer and a few more issues well to be honest um we just wanted to get the first one done we also always knew we wanted to do it annually and slowly. Mm-hmm. So we thought, okay, we do the first one and it will give us like some space to think. The printing was already ex- uh, expensive and it uh, yeah, took quite a big chunk out of, out of it. But we also wanted to spend on like good quality, sustainable paper. Like it's, um, it has a thread binding. We have a green thread. Like we have lots of little details. Um, so yeah. And, and we printed locally in Berlin, which was also important for us. So, yeah. Um, so, no, the, the funding for the next issue is still, um, we're trying to work on that right now. Sure, sure. So, the, I mean, the environmental credentials of this obviously have to be paramount. They, they have to be so important because of the kind of subjects that you're covering. So, how do you begin something like that? How do you go about making sure that you're operating in as sustainable a way as as possible? Well, I think I started with papers. I really had to look. I talked to printers, but I also, like, uh, contacted paper manufacturers. I just looked around. And, I mean, as I am a, like, I come from a graphic design background, so that wasn't so hard for me. I kind of knew that side. Also, my my father is, um, well, he learned to be a printer. Later, he was a technical um, head of a local newspaper. So I come from a little bit from that craft. Um, And then it was really about, we decided to do things locally because I really wanted to be there when the magazine was printed. And I thought, okay, if we can do it locally, I can cycle there which we did <laughs> and um, I didn't need to fly anywhere I mean I, I looked at other printers you have great ones in the UK I talked to an amazing one in Spain and I would have loved to work with them but I we also had a really good one in Berlin and so that was like okay we do it locally mm-hmm. um, and yeah they could advise us they could tell us like the carbon emissions uh, that we produced um, through making the magazine we actually did not go to their traditional offset uh, scheme because I looked at it and uh, it was so little money mm, and mm. I felt it was too little and uh, I also didn't know any of the projects. Mm, I didn't know mm. how I could evaluate them. They might be absolutely fine, mm. but I didn't know. But we, because of the, well, in the issue, we were in contact with really knowledgeable well, people anyway, we did an interview with uh, Jonathan Porritt, who's one like leading environmentalist in the UK, and he and Becky Burchell, they gave us really good recommendations for charities they trust. Right. The Green Belt Movement, for example, and um, Cool Earth, so we went with them. And I don't see it so much, I find carbon offsetting, <sighs> I think it has to be really substantial, and 
intentional you have to know that it actually goes to a proper project mm, 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 mm. So. so so you basically took the uh, opinion that you could donate some money to these charities that you knew something about because you at least knew where that money would be going yeah exactly and then we did one other thing we have uh, four ads in the magazine and we tried to also rethink advertisement a little bit and what we did there is um i mean it's more symbolic but um one of one of our team members she lives in a small village outside of berlin in bernicke <laughs> and there is and she's good friends with a farmer and he runs a renaturalization uh, project there and he plants trees but mainly really like old um, species for increasing biodiversity so we thought okay instead of having normal ads we plant trees mm. and we take photographs of these specific trees um, we actually got a photographer, uh, a German photographer who has a really, like, really sweet, beautiful column in uh, Zeitmagazin, which is part of um, the weekly Zeit newspaper, uh, Anne Schwalbe. And her column is normally, like, she takes photographs of her own garden in the countryside and uh, of her neighbors, and it's all about plant life, etc. And she took the pictures for us. And the advertisers also got a copy, and I'm very <laughs> jealous. <laughs> I would love to have those prints. Um, yeah, so, and that was also, I mean, it was symbolic, but it was also like giving a little bit to this project and also making people aware that, yes, actually everything we create uses up resources, mm. and therefore everything we create has to be done intentionally. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you've done fantastically well to get any kind of advertising in the first issue. I mean, the, it's the hardest thing to go to a, a brand and say, I'm going to make a magazine, I promise. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. <laughs> Were these organisations that you already had relationships with? Yeah, I mean, it, it was actually really sweet. There again, I also noticed that building community slowly has advantages. Um, I mean, two of them were like local brands from Berlin. Mm. Lovely day. They do really beautiful vegan cosmetics. And I had worked with them in the past. And quite quiet. They do ethical jewelry, also really gorgeous. And to be honest, I was really surprised that they supported us because they're also small businesses. And then, uh, yeah, the third one is Vio. They're like a larger um, a brand for glasses from and yeah, the, the fourth one was our printers. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you've got this first one out now. Um, the plan is for this to be an annual publication. So when will you start working on issue two? Well, we said we would start working on it in March. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the year, well, we did two things. We started to sort out online a little bit, do a plan for that. We don't publish online in a super regular way, but we give ourselves topics that we explore, and then, um, yeah, when it's ready, it goes live. (laughs) But we also felt, for us, doing the magazine, it was another jump. I felt we've really, like, increased quality, and, um, yeah, I wanted online to reflect that as well, so we won that. And then the other thing was, we were so busy putting together the magazine that I hadn't really thought about distribution yet. So I started doing that two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, again, this is something we hear all the time. Like, it's hard work making a magazine, but then you've got to actually get the thing out there. So, so who are you, who are you working with for that? Well, we are getting feedbacks at the moment. Like, we have. I mean, the first big load went out because of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So that was already like quite a big chunk. Um, and now we have some first, I mean, we had some people contacting us that I didn't know, some surprises as well, like Fashion for Good in Amsterdam is stocking us now, which is really nice. And we are in conversation with some people. But if any stockists are listening, we are, um, yeah, we're definitely still looking and uh, would love to hear from you. And you're, you're managing that yourself rather than going through a distributor? At the moment, yes. Like, I, I would love to do that in the future. As I said, we neglected it a little bit. Like, we were really working on the content and it took over everything. <laughs> um, but no, I think ideally I would like to go via a distributor because I notice now it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a ton of work. Um, well, look, you have a lot of work to do clearly on, on that front but uh, it's a very beautiful magazine so um, thanks for coming over and um, I'm looking forward to seeing this second issue when it comes. Well thanks for having me it was a pleasure talking to you. Okay that's all for this week I would like to say thanks again to Dota for coming over and speaking to me. She was here a couple of weeks ago and I'm pleased to say that at least one part of her distribution is in place because we now have copies available to buy in the stack shop. Uh, So head over there if you'd like to see this one for yourself uh, just go to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and you'll find the lissom in there complete with spreads for you to flick through so you can get a better idea of what it's all about. And while you're there, you should take a look at our subscription service too. We deliver a different independent magazine every month to thousands of people around the world. You never know what you're going to get next, but you do know it will be a beautiful, intelligent magazine you probably wouldn't otherwise have come across. I've just finished writing my letter that will go out with the March delivery in about a week or so, and I can't wait to see what our subscribers make of the selection. So if you're not already in the club, sign up and we'll be able to send that magazine surprise to you. Thank you very much for listening to this one, and we'll be back with another episode next week.